Okay, this was a fun episode with Max Siegelman, the legend behind Siegelman Stable. And this is powered by SoRare in partnership with Rug Radio, the best fantasy game in the world. Go check it out. All the info is in the description. Get 20 free cards today and enjoy the episode. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Max Siegelman of Siegelman Staples and many other projects. Max, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate having me on, boss. So first things first, how did you get into the fashion world? Because I feel like in the last, I don't know, year, two years, a few of my friends had mentioned your hats to me, and then I started seeing them on all of my favorite people. How did that all begin uh yeah so i mean it it started in the beginning of the pandemic uh kind of out of nowhere really right so like i wasn't traveling as much with clients and for work just like everyone else and uh i just decided one day that i was i was like i need a sequin stable hat and, and sweatshirt that my dad so my dad's a racehorse trainer um and has had his own racing stable since the 80s and I never really had any pieces that had his two like main logos that we started this brand out with uh, that my mom actually hand drew in the 80s. Um, and was like, I wanna create or like recreate this one hat that I had um, and make three different colorway hats in, in his colors. And then uh, used a jacket that I had as well. That was my grandfather's jacket um, to create the different colorways of the three crew neck sweatshirts that we had. Um, and when I first did it, I had no intent of selling it. Um, I was really just making it for myself and maybe like my family and friends. Uh, and then once I started posting it on like Instagram, I had enough DMs, people asking where they could buy it. And then finally decided to just launch a Shopify and, and, and give it a go. So literally started this whole thing with, with like 300 bucks. Uh, no clue how to set up a Shopify, no clue what I was doing in terms of fashion and uh, and blanks to use or design or anything like that. Um, but definitely quickly had to learn and figure that out as we started selling it. Um, but when we first started selling it, I made a promise to myself and I guess, I guess my dad and my family that we would stick very strict to the brand story, which is basically my dad's story. Um, and for anything that we sold, we would donate a portion to, uh, a portion of proceeds to different equine therapy programs, uh, around the world. Got it. That's very cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you went with hats because you had a hat that looked like that when you were growing up. And that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. So I had this like red silk, uh, pretty much a trucker hat, but it had like a, a piece of uh, yarn across the front, like super vintage um, hat from the 80s uh, that I guess my dad made for like him and uh, the people who worked for him in, in his barn and in his stable. Um, and then, a, and then a jacket and I tried to recreate that hat as best as I possibly could, uh, with what I thought would look good either on me or just at time in that moment, uh, like what was, what was trendy. And then, um, this jacket that I was like, I didn't know how to recreate a jacket. So I just took the big logo that was on the back of it. And the easiest thing I thought was to make these three different colorway sweatshirts using that bigger, uh, Siegelman racing stable logo. Cool. Um, did your family ever, or did like your dad ever put out any products like back in the eighties yeah, so or was it all quick funny story on that is, is the answer is no. It's not like he ever intended to sell it. Like his job was literally like training racehorses. That's how he made a living. And 
supported our family. He made some stuff for just like the groomsmen and women who worked for him or assistant trainers and all that stuff. So then fast forward to literally like six months ago, I'm looking on like Google shop every now and then I'll see what's getting resold and the prices it's at and all that just for fun. And I went deep enough where I found this red jacket that said someone's name Bill on the front with the Siegelman logo, this one on my hat uh, on the front. And then on the back, a slightly different design of two horses next to each other. And then the same exact font, it said Siegelman Stable. And I was like, what the fuck? And it was being sold on a vintage store website out of Denmark. Uh, so I took a screenshot, I sent it to my dad. I was like, yo, what is this all about? Uh, he's like, I have no idea. He had, so he had no clue at first. He hangs up the phone, calls me back like 20 minutes later. He's like, this guy named Bill worked for me in, uh, in like the 90s. And he's like, I, I used to make like Christmas gifts or, or, or stuff for people, uh, just like someone at the track would make them. And he's like, I think that that's what that is. And I'm like, dude, you don't want to tell me any of this stuff as you like see what we're doing now and see what's going on. Um, so the story is that was Bill, the guy that worked for my dad's jacket. Bill lived in New Jersey. He moved from New Jersey, I think, to like Florida. And in the process, I guess one of the trucks was like broken into and some boxes were stolen. The jacket no ended up in a vintage store in LA and the vintage store in Denmark came to the United States to vintage stores on the East Coast and West Coast, bought stuff, sent it back to Denmark to sell in the store. Long story short, even though it's still long, I bought the jacket after it said it was sold out and I sent an email for like maybe 80 bucks and they sent it to me. So I am now in possession of said Bill Siegelman's table jacket that was made in the 90s. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So at first, did you think they were like violating copyright or it was like another no, producer? I, like, I knew you... it had to be something. I knew it had to be something like it was too perp. Like the font was the exact font that we use uh, or that like it existed on the logo in the 80s that, that my mom created for my dad. And I was like, something's up with it. Like no one's making this fake. It's in a vintage store. It's not like it's like 1999 on some like website that looks super whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, like knockoff. So I was like, there has to be more to the story. And I mean, it took, it took a day to, to get to the bottom of it, but the most important piece of it for me was, uh, was getting it back in, in our hands. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, now how did it go from like people in your DMS, uh, to then being on, you know, the folks like Kendall Jenner and Aaron judge. Yeah. So, um, they all have a different path of, of how they ended up there. Uh, so Aaron Judge has been like one of the most organic celebrity customers of all time. Um, he's just become a fan of the brand and, and wears a ton of our stuff. That's literally it. He's yeah. a good dude. Um, he's a good dude. Uh, so, I mean, the way it started jumping on like some of these NBA players and stuff and, and like pretty random. Uh, I, I know, uh, a friend of mine is a player in the NBA. I won't, I won't give up a name, uh, was going to the NBA bubble right around the same time as I was dropping this stuff for the first time on a website having no clue what was going on. Um, and I was like, let's try and seed it out a little bit and see if we can make something of it. So I got the address to the bubble and all I did is change the player name and the team name and sent it. Uh, and the way that I was told, that the bubble worked in terms of mail and packages for players is they would go to breakfast, 
there'd just be a box of packages in the middle of the room. And after breakfast, the players would go and just scavenger up their packages. Um, so I did that. Dude, that's so yeah. fun. It's like Christmas every day. Amazing. Yeah. So I have a picture of like a huge pile up of, uh, of boxes and the player I'm referring to took a picture of it and was like, I'll look in this pile after. And I look at the picture and I zoom in. And this is when I was using like bright red boxes. I was like, this is it. Like circled it and send it back. But once I had the address, um, I just changed the team name, the player name, and it ended up at breakfast Dude, in the middle of the breakfast room. Uh, so I picked like 12 people that, or 12 players that I thought one had a really good uh, sense of fashion. And, and that was one side of the list. And the other side of the list was like, will LeBron wear it? <laughs> um, and like, sure enough, LeBron did not wear it, but viewed the story on, on Instagram when I had like a whole 150 followers. So like, it made me feel like I was in the right direction. Um, but that's literally how I've created a really great relationship with like Tim Hardway Jr. Like he was one of the top mm -hmm. 12 guys that I sent it to on my list of oh, like, yeah. OG Nick. Yeah. So, um, and he's been an unbelievable customer of ours since, and that, that's literally how it started. Um, so that, that's the NBA route. And then the other stuff is just, dude, by the way, that's genius. Yeah. Like talk about a hack, yeah. changing the name and address, especially since it's not their home. There's like nothing wrong with totally. it. Dude, that is amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever told That's that story, by the way. So that could be that could be the first time. Um, yeah, That's genius. No, I've never. I, I know a lot of people that did things around the NBA at that time. Obviously, from like the hoops age, I've never heard anything like that. Yeah. That is genius. Yeah. So that that's literally how I made my way into the NBA uh, fashion scene. Um, and then the other ones, just like honestly, like the last 10 years of just like working in creative and marketing and social, uh, doing stuff for free, helping people out, like just created a lot of really great relationships. Um, and finally have something of my own that I can ask for a favor or, or send out or ask to be connected to someone individually. And, uh, and totally. that's just paid off. And I think just a big learning piece of like why networking just in general is so important. Yeah. I mean, you do right by other people. They tend to do right by yeah, you. I hope so. Yeah. So then, then how did it get on like, uh, the, you know, types of top like influencers and those sorts of people? Cause that's a different, you know, crowd than the sports card. Was that totally. more just like from the network that you built and then leverage? That's that? all been organic. We have never gifted, um, like influencers. Like we, the only people we gift are like pretty top tier celebrities or athletes. Uh, we've had some really good moments where maybe we're lucky and an influencer will wear it on a TikTok or on Instagram. And I think then it's kind of like a, a snowball effect where if one type of influencer will wear it, others will want to kind of follow suit or, or try and get something similar, at least the same brand. And, um, and that's been a really good piece of this. And there's, there's plenty of times where we'll get DMS from influencers or professional athletes or whoever with millions of followers. Um, and for us, it's really like one brand alignment. And two, we can't give too much out for free when we're trying to stick to our, our brand purpose of being able to donate to, to equine therapy programs. And, and we make that pretty clear. We're pretty honest with people when we do get those messages. We just say, thank you for your interest. We would love to work with you, but we donate a portion of our proceeds to equine therapy programs. So um, feel free to drop in at one o'clock Eastern on our next drop on, on, a, on a Friday. Um, but like say in a nice way, it's not like we're trying to put anyone off. We're, we're just trying to really stay focused on our mission of the equine therapy piece and really trying to build a brand that's going to last a really long time.
Makes sense. And then what's your thought on, on scarcity and quantity? Because I went on the site and I tried to buy one and I couldn't. Yeah, so that's been a huge piece of for me um, from the jump, uh, just in terms of, of creating brand equity um, and, and creating some hype a- around it. Um, so I, when I did finally decide to start selling stuff, I did want to follow a model like that, uh, at least for the time being and still to today. Um, there may get to a point where that's not the case in terms of like showing revenue and all those things, but I think we're still at the point where we're, we're pretty early in building our brand. We're pretty early getting the word out about it. And, and I think building that brand equity through scarcity and limited drops and exclusive collaborations is, is super important. Um, and we've had stuff sell on, on secondary market for up to 30x, uh, which is pretty nuts. Um, so what sold for 30 X, uh, there was this like bright yellow, um, like highlighter hat that we made look like a tennis ball for the U S open. And it was like super limited. We only made like a hundred. Um, and we actually sold it for a hundred bucks, which is the most expensive hat that we've sold to date. Um, but those hats went fast and got resold faster and higher than, than anything else. But if you go onto like grailed or any of like, even like eBay, like their stuff for, for 10 X, 20 X on there. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but again, it goes back to the, the building brand equity and building the hype and, and having people drop in when you do these drops at one o'clock Eastern on Fridays. And um, it's been a really, really good model and, and brand build um, strategy for us. Um, so that's kind of where we are with that now. But when we do these collaborations too, it's, it's not just the hats, it's, it could be like a five or six piece capsule um, where we do for those really still try and stay um, limited and, and selective on, on how many we're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, not financial advice, but sheesh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, there's definitely, that. you're definitely leaving money on the table when you do that too. Right. But I think, um, in the long run where, where we see and the vision of what we want to do with the brand, uh, it's the right thing for us to do at this moment. No, of course it makes perfect sense for you. I'm talking about people on the other end yeah. who are buying it, you know, and selling it for 20x on yeah. the secondary. Why well, don't charge our 20 for hats? So, what is the answer to that? Um, it's a it's a very good question. Uh, I don't know if you can build that brand equity at that point if you're dropping a ton of hats for 120 bucks. Uh, like, are all of those people going to come back? I think you also need to understand who your customer is, um, and I think we're we're still trying to test stuff out where we're seeing, does that work for our customer? Is that our customer? Uh, and our customer base and our community is still growing literally every day. Um, so I think for us, it's, it's understanding what they want, what they're looking for. And then at some point also branching out and having optionality for those different things. So there could come a time where we have a hat that's uh, maybe a, a higher quality that get, that's, we charge more for. Um, and stuff like that. So I think, like I said, like we're super early. We have so much, so much to do still. Um, but that being said, we have a full 2023 and into 24 calendar already set. So I feel like hats, like there, are, I can't think of like hat brands off the top of my head. Feels like an underserved category of clothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Von Dutch back in the day, but but and they make a little comeback. But but yeah, I mean, I think it's. Um, I think for us, I'm okay if someone's like, oh, you're the hat company with a horse on it, uh, forever. Right. As long as they're a customer. Um, but we, (laughs) but we also 
have other products, we're creating other products, we're working on our own cut and sew products. So if this is gonna be the staple piece and what people know our brand to be, uh, we also are creating a full fashion business here, right? So we're, we're gonna be more than- Yeah, I saw you had, you had jackets and other stuff available now as well. Yeah, so, so uh, if, if someone wants to refer to us as that the hat brand forever, that's cool. Um, but we are definitely gonna continue to expand um, our offerings as we continue to grow. What's a category of like wear that you've always wanted to do, but haven't yet? Yeah. So I think, I think we're in a really good spot in terms of, so like we've done, we've done, we've done hats, we've done sweatshirts, we've done, uh, sweatpants, shorts, t-shirts. Um, we've done jackets. Uh, I think for us, it's like, we, we want to create those ready to wear pieces. We also want to create our own pieces. So we're working on, uh, eight of our own cut and sew pieces that we're making from scratch. Uh, and we want to keep amping up the quality of everything that we put out. Um, so we want to continue on that projection of, of continuing obviously growth, but, but quality and, and being an actual luxury streetwear brand. Sure. Makes sense. How do you think most people find out about it now? Just from seeing other people wear it? Yeah. I think, you know, like, think a lot of it is, is word of mouth, whether it's a celebrity wearing it or a friend wearing it. Like we've spent $0 on marketing ever since we started this and, uh, intend to go down that same path pretty much no matter what happens. Uh, maybe we, we will have a little bit of extra cash to get certain people involved in some campaigns and stuff. But, um, I think for us, it's like word of mouth has really been in it. It's almost like a, if you know, you know, but has expanded a little bit past that. I hear stories of people bumping into someone uh, in the airport in some random city and someone's wearing a Siegelman stable hat and they'll go up to them and they're like, oh, do you know Max? And they may say no. And then they just start a conversation. It's all, it almost started as like a networking <laughs> thing and an opportunity to go up to someone to talk to them, whether they know me directly or they just know of the brand somehow. Um, but when you can grow at $0 spend in marketing and all word of mouth. And I think make it to as far as we've made it, even though I know on a grand scheme of things, we're, we're nowhere near anything. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive. So I think just as we continue to, to grow both from a, a product perspective, uh, a, a marketing perspective, um, I think it's just as important to have that growth and word of mouth to continue, uh, on as you're doing all those other things. Cool. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like all the biggest brands today, they didn't start, you know, on social media for the most part, yeah. right? So I just feel like the landscape's going to be completely different in every category. And my personal thought is that a lot of them are going to be started by creators. You know? Totally. And I, I think it's a, I mean, I think that's a whole, probably a whole nother podcast episode, right? It's like the, the creator economy and starting uh, brands or, or, or their own merch. Um, and I think for me, I'm happy that I started at a zero following when I started this and, and wasn't a content creator creating a brand based on just having a following and knowing that they can sell to their audience. Um, I think there's room for everyone, but I think that the great thing for us is we have a heritage story. We have a real brand story that we, we stick to and, and that started this. Um, and I think those are the things that you'll see longevity um, and, and keep brands around for a, a lot longer period of time. Totally, totally. And I, I would say that you have, the brand has become the creator in this case, and social media is like the expediter of that information. Yeah, meanwhile, the, the brand is my dad. So if you see him anywhere, he'll just say, I am Siegelman Stable. And then he's just, 
<laughs> um, but totally, I, I think I think you're you're not. I think you're right when you say that, and I think it's been it's been a really good path that we've been able to to create for ourselves as the creator economy has grown so fast, basically at the same time. What does your dad think about it? Oh, he loves it, man. Uh, so he's pretty retired at this point from uh, training racehorses. He still does it a bit, but the majority of his time is spent volunteering for equine therapy programs for veterans and inner city kids and kids with special needs. And that's really his passion. Um, he was just lucky enough that his passion always uh, also led to a job of being able to train racehorses and had a pretty successful career doing it. I think when I first started doing this, my parents were probably pretty confused about what I was trying to do. And then I think now I can call them any week or any day and, and tell them what's going on or what collaboration we have coming on or send them a picture of who wore the hat and they're like, what the fuck? And so they're pretty on board at this point. Uh, they've been, they've, they've yeah. been traveling with us for a lot of our photo shoots uh, in the last year or so. And um, I mean, they're just having fun with it. it, it it's cool. I mean, it's special obviously because it's our name. Um, so I think it's, uh, they definitely enjoy it. Is this what you're spending all your time on now? Yeah, so I, I have a full-time job at the moment. Uh, I head up cultural relevance at Outfront Media um, and I've been there for a number of years. Um, I actually started there, I think when I was like 24, their social media department. Um, this has definitely uh, become more than a side hustle, has become a real thing. Um, but the only two people who run the, run the show here is myself and my girlfriend, we do it together. Um, and Oh, that's yeah, awesome. she's a creative director. So obviously we live, breathe, work, all of it uh, here. So um, it's it's pretty special um, and it definitely definitely time consuming and, and at a point where it's really interesting, definitely an inflection point. I understand. Yeah. I understand. That's very exciting. Well, I uh, I think I know what you're going to be doing in uh, in like a year or so, but I won't make any predictions uh, but I, I love that you're looking at it from a longevity standpoint. It's how I try to think about everything, right? It's like, you know, we mentioned the creator economy earlier. Creator, you know, longevity is very short, um, you know, because uh, that model's unsustainable. If you're doing everything yourself and you're doing it on certain platforms, it's rented land, you're doing it, you know, about certain subjects, trends change, you're doing it under a certain business model, those things change. And the content for most people is not evergreen. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting, you know, one of the reasons why I like talking to people like yourself so much, you know, at like, especially this point in your, in this business is that, you know, there's only one origin story and your origin story will never change. And your origin story will be the same in 20 years as it is today. And this conversation will be just as applicable in 2050 as it is in 2023. Um, so I think that's very interesting as well. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think it's just. It's just helpful in creating a brand too, right? To have that heritage story and, and that's your story and you stick to it. And we've said no to projects before because it just didn't make sense with our own brand story. Um, so anytime that we can tie in a brand story for a collaboration, it makes sense. But then there are times for sure where it's a little bit tougher and especially this early on, you don't wanna, uh, you don't wanna put any water on that and, and, and make it look like it was just a, a, a growth uh, choice versus a, a real brand growth choice. Yeah, how hard is it at times to not like want to venture out and like try other logos and other designs? Like how like locked in are, are you like mentally? Yeah, so for the design stuff, we, we 
have definitely done a bunch, uh, especially when we do our own capsules or collaborations. Like we switch it up a lot. I think from the from the front of the hat perspective, it's a, it's a no switch. I think like this is our staple piece. The only time we adjusted anything on the front is when we did a collaboration with um, the San Antonio Spurs and we added their Fiesta colorway behind our logo. Um, and that's the most that we've touched the front of the hat. Um, but we'll add logos on the side of the hats for for t-shirts or sweatshirts. We, we switch it up for design based on what the capsule is or, or what the, the story behind that capsule is. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, just in the past, like month, like I said no to probably one of my favorite childhood uh, rappers about doing something in stadium because I don't I didn't think that the brand alignment for our brand to be hung up in a stadium uh, while he's on the road doing concerts in different venues was the the right look for us, um, and that sucks, dude. Like I love that guy, <laughs> um, but yeah. it's a it's a business decision. It's a brand decision, and 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 we agreed. Uh, we, as in my girlfriend and I, that's just not the right look for us at this time. Um, so, so yeah, sometimes it's tough. Uh, and then sometimes it's like super, super fun. If someone approaches us with a project for a collaboration and it's like, how can we tell our story? How can we tell their story? How do we bring it together? Um, and as long as you're on the same page about the story that you want to tell for that individual project or capsule with whoever you're collaborating with makes it super fun. Um, and I think that you're able to tell your story one to a new audience who might be their audience um, and two tell your story in a, in a bit of a different way. Um, and I, I think that's a, a big piece of brand growth. Makes sense. Yeah. It's um, what's been the most popular drop that you've done, not in terms of like secondary or yeah. anything, but in terms of like the most individuals reached out and were like, how do I get this hat? Was it a specific collaboration or model or is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, I mean the hats in general, like the people who end up in our DMS is, is pretty wild. Just like if we're sold out, uh, I, an hour ago, got a DM from an NFL player that I won't say. I was like, yo, I need to get some of this heat. And I was like, all right, how do you say no to like someone like that? But, um, I think hats is, is definitely like our biggest and best seller. Um, in terms of like collaborations, we've done some pretty amazing ones, honestly, like this year we, we did the, uh, um, blue 42 event for Johnny Walker and, and Don Julio 1942 was their first, oh, that's cool. their first in-house collaboration under the Diageo umbrella. And we were able to bring it to life with a, with a three piece capsule and have a huge event at Super Bowl weekend. Um, I'm still asked on a weekly basis, how do people get that? Um, but I mean, a, a lot of our, our like staple pieces, like our embroidered sweatshirts, our hats are things that people are always looking for. Um, our next drop at the end of April, um, I think is super, super special. Um, it's with an individual that I think probably the majority of the world looks up to. Um, and I, I really think the way that we tell the story of that individual and our story and how we bring it together is super special. Um, so I think we just want to continue doing projects, our own and collaborations that one, help us grow and two tell an unbelievable story. Like we focus so much on content when we put these capsules out um, to really be able to tell our story and tell the story that we're telling just about that capsule. Um, so for us, those those campaign content pieces, though they may just exist on social and impress, uh, will last on our website forever and tell these like unbelievable, amazing stories. And that's a huge piece of it for us. Sure. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's so much fun. I uh, so what is the best way if people like want like myself want to buy it, but it's sold yeah. out. Uh, Friday, one o'clock Eastern times. Pay with Apple Pay and do it quick. Um, that's that. That's the best way. Yeah, I mean Apple Pay is like two clicks and you're good. Um, yeah, I'm, that's a fair point. I get asked this question all the time. It's it's. I mean we've have we've been blessed to have like unbelievable back to back drops on Fridays. Um, for the last two years, we do it almost every Friday at one o'clock Eastern. And if we're only doing hats and it's maybe one to four different colorways, like it's gone in like under 90 seconds and it's crazy. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, it's, it's, and do you say how many pieces you're dropping for each one or is that, uh, we, we don't say how many pieces we're dropping for each one. I can tell you from when I started this in my studio apartment by myself in Williamsburg to now we've like a few hundred X the quantities of these and it's still crazy. Um, it, and it depends. It's like, if it's a full capsule, uh, we will probably do more hats than we do sweatshirts. Um, if we're doing just four hats and it's just four random color hats on a random Friday, the, the quantities are, are up there. I mean, I got sick of comments probably a year ago saying, what do you only sell five? And I was like, I wish I could just, be more vocal and show you like the Shopify and, and the numbers that we're putting out. But like, I won't, cause I think that's, that's a piece of it. Um, and it, and it's fun for us. So, uh, but I think to your point before, I guess my last comment on the quantity piece is like, we're in it for the long haul. So, uh, yes, we're leaving money on the table. If I wanted to just make this a thing and be done in a year, sure. I would sell $5 million in hats in the next six months and wave you goodbye and see women's stable could just be a, another fad, but like, that's not what I'm here for. Um, so I want to make sure that we continue to keep to the plan and the strategy that we set forth with when we started this two years ago and how we do our drops, the way we do it, and just the whole, um, the whole strategy of, of each individual one. So then I guess a good question would be, what is your goal? Like, what do you want this to look like in 10 years? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I want to be, uh, one, I want to be involved in this forever, as long as it exists, it's a family name, right? Uh, and I think it's like, you, you want Siegelman Stable, to me, I want Siegelman Stable to be out there just as frequent as you see polo on stuff, right? And I think the biggest thing for us is like, doing all of these different evolutions of our brand are going to happen, right? Like we started in just printing and embroidering our logos on, on blanks. Uh, now we're at the space where we're creating our own first eight cut and sew pieces. And then it's just a, it's a natural progression of an evolution of a brand and how you start, especially when you start it without trying to have it start. Like I didn't mean for that to happen, sure. right? My background isn't fashion. Yeah. So like I'm learning all about this stuff at the same time as this company is being built and trying to surround myself with the right people to help it with the trajectory that I'd like it to have. Um, so I want this brand to be around for five, 10, 15, 20, hundred years, right? Like Hermes still owns 52% of their brand. Uh, I'd love that to be me in a hundred years, even though I won't be you. Someone will be yeah. winning. So, uh, somebody will be winning. Yeah. Um, have you ever taken investors or have you ever gone down that route or have you kept it all? We have not to this point, uh, taken any money. This has been started with $300 that I started to make these hats and sweatshirts with. And we've been in the green ever since it's been an amazing journey. We have, uh, definitely a lot of interest um, from really well-known individuals from a lot of different verticals and walks of life that it's hard to 
say no to. Um, and we've said no to them so far. Um, so we've had conversations. There you we go. continue to have conversations. We haven't taken any money. Um, and we just want to make sure if we ever do that they're on board to build this the exact same way that we intend to. Well, I think if there's any takeaway from this podcast is that people want, people want the product. (laughs) I hope so. I hope for a long, long time. Cool. Everybody can check it out. I will link all information below and Max, thank you so much again for coming on. And I appreciate you saying yes to coming on the podcast. Of course. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Buster. All right. See everybody next time. Peace.